0: Got a copy of the scripture? We will be in Paul's Epistle to the Philippians. Prophetic text will be from verses chapter four, verses four through nine. Prepare your hearts, as this is God's word this morning to you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, there are uh, so many distractions all around us in our culture. That will turn our eyes away from you and onto those things. My prayer is that this morning we will turn our focus away from those things that distract us. That instead, we will rejoice in you. And not only rejoice now, but continue rejoicing. Pray for everyone in this room. Pray that you'll sanctify each and every one of our hearts. And that you will lead us and guide us through your word this morning. I pray this in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Uh, throughout this epistle to the Philippians, we see a recurring theme of rejoicing in the Lord. It doesn't start here. In all four chapters, it's at least somewhat present. In the first two chapters, Paul says to rejoice. In chapter 3, he says rejoice in the Lord. And here, in chapter 4, he says rejoice in the Lord always. Nine times this word appears in Paul's epistle to the Philippians. And although this letter was meant to be an encouragement to a church, a people, that Paul loved dearly, he wrote this letter under the direst of circumstances. Uh, He was imprisoned. Uh, It's obviously not like the prison system here in America. Uh, The execution of prisoners happened regularly there. Um... And Paul wasn't sure if he was about to die or not. If you'll turn with me a few pages to the left, to the first chapter of Philippians, I want to read to you the beginning of the letter's body, which is verses 12 through 14. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian guard, and to everyone else. So right there, we see why he's in prison, for preaching Christ. He said in Ephesians chapter 6 that he is... An ambassador in chains from the same thing. In verse fourteen, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Now what would incline them to say such a thing? Well First, you have to understand the context in which this letter was written. We might not fully understand it because we're Americans and we have it rather easy here, at least for the five days. We're gathered here this Lord's Day morning, not in secret, but in public. We don't have to worry about government officials coming in and arresting us because we're here preaching Christ and Him crucified. I mean that day's not here, but one day, if the news is any 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 uh, indication that probably will be one day. Now, it won't. It'll likely not be because, at least not explicitly, that we're preaching Jesus. It would be because we would be considered intolerant or bigoted for not affirming and promoting homosexuality, transgenderism, and abortion. Simply put, we call sin by its name. Here in our text, in the first century, and this letter was likely written from Ephesus, which is present-day Turkey, gospel preaching was almost sure death imprisonment at the very least. When Jesus said to the crowds that anyone who'd come after him must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him, they knew exactly what he meant. And it was scandalous. It was a call not only to suffer, but a call to die. And not only a call to die, but to die a death that was only... For the worst of the worst. These were what the worst of the worst criminals died. The death of crucifixion. And this is what will be to the rest of the world. Yet, despite Paul's imprisonment, he said, because of my imprisonment, having far more courage to speak the word of God without fear, now, your translation might say, much more bold to speak. Brothers and sisters, not even prison can hinder to the program of the gospel. Right. Paul is proof of just that. What he's saying is that even if you're thrown into prison for preaching the gospel, it's not going to stop the gospel. Now, of course, that may be the intent of those who throw you in prison, but, of course, it's not going to happen. So certainly, this was an encouragement to the Philippian brethren. And now that we've established the context, uh, let's return to our vocal text. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say, rejoice. Notice that this is not a suggestion, but a command. As I would said earlier, the command to rejoice appears nine times in Philippians and in each of the four chapters. The Greek word for rejoice, pyrotide, is the same word Jesus used in the Beatitudes when he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, if, you could, if you'd like to the turn there. Um, our Lord says... Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It also is the same word used for greetings. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, after Jesus had risen from the dead. And I'll read it in the ESV, because I believe that... That's a better translation for that particular verse. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings, Kyratak. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. I mean, you can make an argument that Jesus here could have said, Rejoice when they saw him. Another translation has this word as hail. Of course, we might not use that terminology necessarily today, but nonetheless, it is another translation of that word. And in the Greek, kairote, this particular word, is a verb, and its tense is present imperative active, which means that it's an ongoing expression or command so we do something and continue doing it. In this instance, we are to rejoice and continue rejoicing. Matthew Henry com- comments, There is enough in God to furnish us with matter of joy in the worst circumstances on earth. And see that uh, Paul repeats this command. Again, I will say, rejoice. Any time that there's something repeated in the scripture, it's imploring you to pay attention. There's something, well this is something, that we need to be continually reminded of. Because we live in a world, a culture that's so full of distractions that we might take our eyes off of Christ and fix them onto other worries that we might have. Whatever they may be. And it could be anything. In fact, I'll put it another way. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, we'll rejoice if our team wins, but that is to say, if they win. This also can include a fantasy team. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we have to sweat it out before we're able to well, rejoice. But when they lose, we end up becoming downcast and it ruins our day. And y'all know the rest. Friends, we don't have to sweat out our hope in Christ. That victory is already won. He did come down to earth. He did keep the law. He did bear your sins on the cross. He did give you his righteousness. He did take your place. He did die on your behalf. He did rise from the grave and thus conquer death. And he is ascended and seated at the, in authority at the right hand of the Father. And no one has ever and no one will ever remove him from that position. All authority in heaven on earth is his. And in response to that we rejoice. Put your hope in that, and you will never be disappointed. Verse five. Let your gentle spirit be made known, be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now turn with me to James chapter five. Verses seven and eight. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soul, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the of the Lord is near. As Christians, we get to go to the back of the book and see that God always gets the final say and that he will make all things right. But until then, we must exercise patience. As hard as that may be, because we do live in a culture that. Irates us with the idea that we need more and more and more. We need it all now. When we fail to heed that warning, and we all have, myself included, when we fail to heed that warning, we take our eyes off of Christ and thus don't rejoice in him as we're. We'll Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. When we don't rejoice in the Lord, what happens? Well, we become anxious. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read uh, verses 25 through 34. Our Lord says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than that? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow; they are not told, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you, you little faith? Each day is trouble, has enough trouble, but don't. <clears throat> friends, we have no need to worry. We have no reason to be anxious about anything. Scripture says that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Jay Adams says this tomorrow always belongs to God. Whenever we try to take hold of it, we try to steal what belongs to him. Might I say, along with the author of Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And when we look to him, what happens? Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to John's Gospel. First, we'll look at uh, chapter 14, verse 27. And then, after that, um, you just put your thumb on chapter 16 because we'll be on verse 33 verse 27 chapter 14 peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful now says chapter 16 verse 33 These things I've spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Friends, Jesus Christ is the source of true peace. And if you seek peace elsewhere, you will never have peace. Peace is found... In Christ, He always cares for and has His people. Christians need not worry. Now, those who aren't in Christ, nor putting their hope, or putting their hope in a particular sin that you aren't letting go of or and repenting of, you have every reason to be afraid. Peace of God is beyond anything we can wrap our minds around. For a Christian, no one and no thing can ever snatch any of his people out of his hand. We might be able to, I guess, apprehend this, but we can't comprehend it Because our minds are so finite and limited. And what will this peace of God do? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you've read John Bunyan's allegorical work entitled Holy War, you'll remember that Mr. God's peace Was appointed to guard the city of Mansoul. And as long as Mr. Peace, God's peace, ruled, Mansoul enjoyed harmony and joy and health and peace and all that. However, when Prince Emmanuel, that is Christ, went away because Mansoul grieved him, and when he went away, what was the result? Mr. God's peace resigned his commission, and chaos resulted. This is an illustration of how God's peace guards the believer's heart from anxiety and doubt, and fear and distress. John MacArthur comments that the believer who doesn't live in the confidence of God's sovereignty will lack God's peace and be left to the chaos of a troubled heart. But our confident trust in the Lord will allow us to thank Him in the midst of trials because we have God's peace on duty to protect our hearts. Next, we see the result of resting in the peace of God. verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. (laughs) Truth is found in God God's worthy of honor God's right in all that he does and is God is pure and undefiled God is lovely God is of good repute And he's excellent and worthy of praise Are you seeing something here? All of these whatevers point directly to God. In other words, dwell on Him. Finally, verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I know I'm having y'all turn all over the place in Scripture. Forgive me. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Give me a second to turn there if you'd like. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. As an imitator of Christ, who is all those things listed above, Paul tells the Philippians, as well as us, to live out the truth that is in the gospel. The truth that he proclaims and also lived out. So we are to proclaim and live out the gospel truth. Even if we're slandered for it, even if it costs us something in the end, which it very well could even if it does, we still stand firm on the truth. Not a truth, the truth. First Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold is perishable, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Amen. Christians in the first century and even to a degree now are, are often accused of rebellion against a said government. And I know some of y'all might be thinking, what's wrong with that? These Christians were often accused of things like terrorism, cannibalism, immorality, being against progress, insurrection, and even in some cases, atheism. Now, first Peter to 12 tells us what to do, even in the midst of such opposition. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Now pause right there. You got to keep in mind that this epistle is primarily written to who? Gentiles, Jews. Primarily written to Jews. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So friends, the world is watching us like hawks. They are waiting for, and I'd argue hoping, in that some way we will mess up. They're looking for every excuse in the book As to why it should remain in their sin But scripture says they have no excuse But nevertheless We need to pay attention And be on our guard When troubles and tribulations come your way Because they will And when they do What do we do? We rejoice in the Lord. Um, Even here at Waco Family, um, within the past few months, some of you might not be aware, but I know a good bit in this room are, but for those of you who aren't, we have faced a lot of difficulty here as a local church, um, losing two of our beloved brothers in a span of around one month—Brother Al and Brother Stephen the Castle. While we, I remember during the uh, their funerals, these the. Sadness that I felt, but there's also something in me that said well, That pictured what, what they are beholden Their faith becoming sight Amen. And seeing what they're seeing now Not ever having to worry about sin and its effects Ever again and seeing God in His splendor, in that I know that they would they would they would tell us the very same thing that even though we miss them greatly, they would tell us what Paul says: rejoice in the Lord. close with this hymn from John Newton. Now, of course, I'm not going to sing it because I know know y'all would probably hightail it out of here because I I was not, I guess, gifted with a great singing voice, but I do want to share it. I do. I will say it. It's John Newton's hymn entitled Perseverance. And this and the words here are what I'm praying for each and every one of you. Rejoice, believer, in the Lord, who makes your cause his own. The hope that's built upon his word can never be overthrown. Though many foes beset your road, and feeble is your arm, your life is hid with Christ in God. Beyond the reach of harm, weak as you are, you shall not faint, or fainting shall not die. Jesus, the strength of every saint, will aid you from on high. Though sometimes unperceived by sense, faith sees him always near. A God, a glory, a defense. And what have you to fear? As surely as he overcame and triumphed once for you, so surely you that love his name shall triumph in him too. Friends, what a good news we have from the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, receiving this great and glorious gospel, I say with Paul, rejoice in the Lord always. Go, Lord. Oh God, in the midst of so much difficulty within our own lives, and as a and as a congregation, Lord, you give us you give us this great and glorious truth. In this apostle's words, who wrote this from prison, imploring these Philippian believers and us as believers as well that even in the midst of so much darkness, of so much difficulty and tribulation, we rejoice in the Lord even through the most dire of circumstances, we don't rejoice because of the circumstances. We rejoice in who you are, even in the midst of them. You are the sovereign one. You are an authority on top. You are the one who every king and president in history will bow before you are the one who conquered death itself and rose again in glory and are seated on high Lord you you are king forever and All of us one day will have to give an account to you. And every knee will bow at the name and at the name of Jesus. Pray for each and every one of my friends here in this room and watching and whoever else may be tuned in at at a different time. Lord, I pray that no matter our circumstances, where we see ourselves, that we will rejoice in the Lord always, not just sometimes, not just when the good times come, but always, (laughs) even despite difficulty that we may face, whatever it may be, that we may be anxious for nothing. that your peace, peace that comes directly from you, not peace that's of the world, but your perfect peace that surpasses all comprehension. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I pray that it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And that we will turn our eyes to that which is eternal. That is you. All of us, I pray and plead in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I pray that you will lead us and guide us through even the most treacherous of places. You are our shepherd. And we pray that as we sheep, you will lead us as you've promised. Lead us, I pray and I plead in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.